y'all. Katie here with Team Evo AZ at EXP Realty. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We are super excited for this season. As you know, we are based in the Phoenix, Arizona area. But what you may not have known is that we're growing our team nationwide and we have already started. So if you know of anybody that is looking to buy or sell throughout the country, no matter what state it's in, please contact us. We'd be happy to help. We'd be happy to offer advice. And if you know of anybody that is either getting into the real estate industry or is looking for an awesome change in their career and in their lives, we are also hiring real estate agents across the country. Thanks again and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Katie and Matt. And we are here with REAL, which stands for Real Estate and Life. And it's real with Matt and Katie. So here we are. And we have one of our favorite guests on with us today. The, the um, I was going to call you lovely. You probably are lovely, but we'll call you <laughs> the amazing <laughs> Ryan Gilliam with Waterstone Mortgage. Hello, Ryan. Hello. How are you both doing today? Doing Great. amazing. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Thanks for having me today. Awesome. Beautiful, of course. Are you getting any sleep these days with this flurry of refinances and purchases <laughs> and all of that going on? Not as much as I probably should be, you know, which is funny because <laughs> I actually read a book about how important sleep is uh, at the beginning of the year before COVID hit. And, you know, since March, we've been the busiest we've ever been. And, and I've definitely been you know, lacking on my sleep as much, but I'm happy to be so busy. I'm blessed. I can't complain. Absolutely. Same here. It's like, what are they, what's that saying? Burning the candle at both ends or something like that. <laughs> There's a lot of sayings. I'm sure we're, that go with we're that. doing yeah. a lot of candle burning over here <laughs> as well. Um, because stuff's crazy, but anyway, um, let's just dive right into it. So we're going to do a little market update for you guys. Talk about what's going on here specifically in the Phoenix area. So Maricopa, Pinal County, um, what's going on with rates, what's going on with the market, what we can expect over the next couple of months. And I think the biggest question on everybody's mind right now, like I get the chills even, even, I haven't even said it yet is are the elections, which we don't know the outcome of yet, are they going to have any sort of negative impact on our market here in Phoenix? Very good questions. I think a lot of people are probably asking that right now. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to speak for you, but personally, I don't feel... <laughs> Shush. Personally, I don't feel that it's going to have any negative impact that I can see happening at this point. Um, and there's a few reasons for that, Ryan, and that's why we have you on because you are the mortgage extraordinaire and low rates, I think, are, is one of the big reasons, you know, coming into this season with the lowest rates that I think we've seen in what, 50 years yeah. or something like that? It has been. Yeah, I think it's been about uh, 45 years since we've seen rates this low. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable stuff. And so I feel like that has a lot to do with the momentum that our market has right now. Um, and, you know, we haven't even talked about, we're not even there's talking about refis. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, but t talk to us a little bit about the rates, where they're at right now, for those of us who don't know, and, and kind of what your feel is on that. Yeah. So, you know, we, we are seeing, I just kind of backstep about why we're seeing rates so low right now. Um, is once COVID hit in, in March, the, the Federal Reserve jumped in and they wanted to make sure that even during a pandemic that um, people continued to, to buy homes, people continued to purchase and have liquidity in their homes in case they needed to, you know, dip into the equity. So that's why they really jumped in and started buying down interest rates. 
And, uh, you know, the housing market is so important to our, our economy during a pandemic. They didn't want to see that really affected. And it's, it's obviously worked um, because it, the market's been hot in just about every state in the country, especially here in Arizona. We've, we've been one of the hottest markets. Yeah. So, um, so that's basically why we're seeing rates at such low levels right now. Um, on average, on a 30-year fixed, it's about a 2.75. Last year, they were more in the high threes, and that was still considered pretty good, and they were expected to kind of continue to be in that range this year. But obviously, you know, what happened in March with COVID hitting really changed everything, changed the, changed the game. So now that the, uh, you know, the election uh, is, you know, obviously we don't know the results as of yet, but um, we have noticed over the past couple of days, for instance, we have seen rates improve even more. And, and some of the uh, quote unquote market experts out there that always kind of predict where rates are going that I, you know, I read every one of those to kind of be in the know about where things are expected to go already kind of did predict this. And, and the reason why, even though we don't really know uh, the results of, of who the next president is going to be, it's more so the, um, the balance of power in the Senate. I think like the stock market and the mortgage rates right now are, are feeling like uh, the Republicans are going to keep control of the Senate, which they do feel is going to be better for for maybe taxes on corporations and and long story short that's why the stock market's been kind of on a rally the past couple of days and that's had a, a positive impact on mortgage rates as well so initially i know things are still kind of panning out but as of right now it's had a positive impact on rates and we do feel like rates are going to continue to be low regardless of who's in office because it's the federal reserve that really has made the decision to keep rates low while there's a pandemic going on. And obviously, you know, you know cases are increasing still with COVID right now. Yeah. And, you know, there's, uh, there's no vaccine yet. So I don't really see rates increasing until that starts looking better. You know, there's a, there's a possible vaccine out there or quicker treatments. Um, and, and who knows when that's gonna be. But when that starts happening, I do feel like the Fed will kind of take their foot off the gas and we'll start seeing rates increase again. So. Yeah. Um, that could be, you know, into next year, early next year before we really start seeing that happen. So we, we got a window still where rates are going to be low. And, and I guess based off what you were just saying there too, do you also think that there's a possibility that we're going to see some sort of stimulus like both parties have been talking about before we went into this election and it's like everyone put their brakes on and it just seems like there's, you know, talk of that. And, and if there was such a stimulus, how would that affect rates? Would that even push them lower? Um, not so much because, you know, the stimulus is already in play with the interest rates. Um, you know, the stimulus has been more of, you know, uh, getting checks out to, to people that needed it and things like that. But um, the new stimulus that they've been talking about is just really kind of outlining the fact that they're going to continue to do their mortgage-backed security purchases as they had started in March. So it's really them kind of saying that they're going to continue this for as long as they need to to keep the, uh, the real estate market strong. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's such good information. I feel like there's a lot of interest rate talk these days that we're having with our clients because I don't know if you're getting this on your end, but we're having the conversation with our clients now. Well, because equities are rising, they're rising every month, right? So prices are going up every month. And, and we have some buyers that are saying, well, I'm just going to sit the fence and uh, wait for those prices to come down. Who knows when that's going to be? And, you know, over here, I'm paying inflated rental prices to the landlord, but, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just going to wait and sit the fence, let prices come down, and then I'm going to buy. But what happens with the rates then, and how does that 
negative negatively affect them and they don't even realize it yeah no that's it's a great question i'm getting that a lot too and uh, the people that i'm talking to that kind of have that outlook on things kind of survived through the 2006 through 10 period where right. where we did see property values uh, drop quite a bit and that's just kind of a different animal you can't really compare that to you know the home price increases that we're seeing now because back then prices were inflated because there were a lot of risky loans out there uh, um for those who don't really know, there were things called stated loans where you didn't have to actually prove your income. And there were uh, adjustable rates that were only two years long and, and uh, you know, higher interest rates, higher uh, debt to income ratios, lower credit scores. It was just a really bad mix of loans. And, and a lot of those went into foreclosure. And that's why we saw prices drop so much. But now it's such a strong market because you really have to qualify for your mortgage. You know, that completely changed. The pendulum went the other way. You have to have your firstborn child to, to get a mortgage nowadays, as a lot of people true. probably know. It takes yeah. a lot of paperwork. So um, so people who are buying homes now, it's different because they, they qualify for it. They have the income to pay that mortgage, unlike it was back in 2006 through eight, where a lot of people didn't. So um, so that's why it's different. And, and um, people are still kind of scarred a little bit by seeing prices drop so much back then that they think it could happen again. Right. But, um, you know, CoreLogic, which, uh, which every month comes out with their uh, home price index, they're still predicting that, that prices will increase next year, especially here in Arizona. They still think it's going to be really strong because, you know, with rates so low, people are having that urgency to buy. And there is still quite a lack of inventory out there. So there's bidding wars and, and they do think that's going to continue. Um, but just kind of a, an example, for instance, if, if, if prices did happen to drop, let's say by $5,000, um, that's only about a $25 different, a $25 difference in payment. Mm -hmm. But if your rate goes up, if, if you know, um, the pandemic, if, if for any reason that there's a, a vaccine out there and, and the Fed decides to kind of increase the rates a little bit, if they go up a percentage point, I, I ran some numbers here. If, if you're buying a home for $300,000 and the rate goes up 1%, that's going to be a $164 difference in your payment. Wow. If you're looking at the 400,000 range and the price or the rates go up 1%, that's a $220 difference in payment compared to a $5,000 swing is only a $25 difference. So the, the interest rate has so much more of an impact on your payment than the actual property values or if they do happen to take a small dip, but they, they, they aren't. So they aren't predicted to take a dip based off of all the experts' opinions right now. Yeah. And, and when you, when you take that, that amount into and put it into context on, hey, are we looking for a longer term investment? This is a home that we're looking to spend the next 10 plus years of our life in. You start yes. taking that $150, $200 a month and times that by a decade, right. that is going to grossly outweigh um, the savings that you're, you're speculating from a market dropping and maybe saving 10 or $15,000, $20,000, you know? It's That's exactly right. So the, the demand also out there that we've been seeing over even the last couple of years, I mean, it's really, I feel like increased in the last, I don't know, year, 18 months or so, but like the demand out there is really high, especially here in the Phoenix area. You had, had mentioned, Ryan, that we are, I believe we were number one at one point. Um, yes. in the country yeah. as far as growth is concerned. Yeah. And uh, are you seeing a lot of that demand come from millennials these days? We are, yeah. We're seeing a lot of uh, first-time homebuyers jumping into the market. Uh, I, I know we, we talked about this on a prior podcast, but um, 
you know, there are the first time home buyer programs like the, the home in five loan or the home plus loan that provides down payment assistance. And we have noticed there's a lot of millennials taking advantage of that to buy their first house. So um, yeah, that, that's definitely where a lot of the demand is coming from, but we're also seeing so much uh, job growth and so much, you know, um, of the population coming in to Arizona, uh, you know, from, from higher price states like California, we do see a lot of an influx of, of jobs and, and people coming in as well. So I, I think that combined with, you know, the lower inventory that's out there is really what's driving our prices higher. Yeah. And, and I guess a question for you, and this is what I, it, it seemed like the millennials over the last decade have been this, like, when are they going to buy? Are they going to buy? What are they thinking about? Um, but there's also been a lot of talk about how they've, they're pretty fiscally responsible. They've saved their money. They're kind of making calculated decisions. And are you seeing that, especially with these first time home buyers as millennials, like having more percentage down, better credit um, ratings and, and a position just to be a homeowner in general, kind of preventing us from seeing what we saw in 2008 and people just buying what they shouldn't be buying. We have, we really noticed that, you know, uh, in terms of new first time home buyers, uh, you know, a lot of them are a lot more educated with, with the process. A lot of them do a lot more research nowadays online before they even really give me a call and start the process. It's, it's amazing because I've been doing this for a while. You know, uh, gosh, 18 years ago, um, you know, we really had to walk everybody through the process a lot more about, you know, why the credit score is important, you know, why we have to have savings and reserves, things like that. But gosh, we're really noticing a lot more of the first time homebuyers and millennials really do the research beforehand. They know how to build a positive credit score. They're working with Credit Karma, for instance, um, mm -hmm. you know, to keep an eye on where their, their scores are at and what they need to do to improve it. So it just, I feel like the, the tools are there and, and there's a lot more available to them to kind of get, you know, prepared even before they call the bank to, uh, to get the mortgage started. So we have noticed that quite a bit that they're, uh, they're in a much better position to buy when they call us. That's awesome. And I guess the reason I brought it up too is it just adds a little bit more insulation to our market. You know, it everyone's does. just so concerned on, hey, like if we, when we do talk about forbearance and the effects of, of things like that, or, you know, what's really contributing to the value that we all share as a community and how leveraged are we and, you know, what type of equities do we have? That's a really good sign. Absolutely. I pulled some statistics just to share quickly um, because I thought that it was interesting and it really lines up with our experience and your experience too, Ryan. Um, so what we're looking at right now is directly from the MLS. This is Maricopa County um, only with um, single family residences only. So we have about 6,062 homes as of this morning, single family homes in Maricopa County on the market. Um, and I thought that it was really interesting to take a look at this and see the number of listings in those hot price points. I mean, if you look at this, I know I do. I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that's where our price points are pretty much all day long. Like those are the buyers and sellers that we're working with. There are quite a few listings available in um, as compared to other price points in those, those sort of first time home buyer, maybe your first move up home. Um, sort of range. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That's very interesting, especially the average days on market. How do you guys see that compared to, you know, in the past? Well, <laughs> so it's funny because what happens with the days on market that I've noticed is if you go under contract on day one 
and you put the status in UCB, which stands for under contract accepting backup offers, which is what we typically use because we want to get backup offers on the property for our seller. We feel that that's just prudent to do. Yes. It will still tick up days on market. Yeah. So it doesn't actually, you know, many of these are probably going under contract within the first couple of days, week yeah. or so, but if they're sitting in UCB status on the MLS, yeah. they're still ticking up. So that's kind of a funny stat there. And it really needs to be broken down more as, as far as I, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I also think another contributing factor is we're now getting to this point where we've been in this consistently appreciating market at a, you know, at a, at a big rate where sellers are becoming even more confident and we'll say aggressive with their price point. So people are pricing their properties sometimes on the high side. Um, and, and that's ultimately kind of sometimes making some properties stick around a little bit longer than they should be, which is kind of an anomaly when you think about the market that we're in. But we've also seen that, and especially in those price points. So I wanna show you guys sort of part two of the info that I pulled this morning in anticipation for this conversation. I thought it was really cool. So this, this is showings. So this is taken from showing time. These are showings. So same properties that we just looked at, here are the amount of showings that is happening in these price points. So really, we could look at this one and I would say, yeah, 250 to 300 just drastically outperforms every other price point. Yeah. And what period of time is this showing us? The past month, the okay, past perfect. 30 days. Awesome. Wow. So that really says how many people are actually out looking and you kind of correlate that to the numbers that we saw before. Um, and there it is. It's the proof in the pudding. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out here too. Look at these 26,706 showings in that price point, that hot price point, 250 to 300. 26,000, that's insane. No wonder we're getting 10, 11, 50 offers, uh, you know, on properties. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not surprised just based off of, um, you know, our clients that I'm working with that are between the 250 and 350 range, how, how difficult it is out there right now. Just multiple offer, like you said, like five to 10 offers on, on one property right now. So it's, 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 I haven't seen that in a while. So it's been interesting. It's extremely difficult for those, um, those individuals. And, you know, obviously having a good experienced appropriate representation and a good experienced exactly. appropriate lender is very, very helpful in winning the, the bids on these, I guess that you'd call it. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing, I just had one close today that we accepted $25,000 over list price wow. offer for. And it appraised. Wow. It appraised. Yeah. Wow. Like, uh, honestly, I'm, we're pretty good pricers, I think. And I really didn't, I'll tell you, I really didn't have a ton of support for the offer that we accepted. I had great support for the list price that we went in at, not a ton for the offer that we accepted. But what ended up happening was I had, I don't know, I think like 25 or 30 showings that first day and then ended up with multiple over the list price offers. And I shared that with the appraiser. And I think that that mattered to him. Oh, very much so. Yeah, I think now more than ever, it's important to have a great real estate agent re representing you. And that's, that's why we highly always recommend your team because uh, you guys know how to write a competitive offer 
and on your listings as well, you know how to price it just right and, and write the contracts so that you put the sellers in the best position. So in this kind of a market, it's so important to have those kind of experts and you guys do an amazing job with it. Uh, thank, thank you, you so much, Ryan. We feel the same way about you. You know, thank I'll you. always tell buyers that I'm speaking with, hey, okay, call your bank. Okay, sure. You know, call the guy you met yesterday. Okay, fine. But Ryan does my own personal properties and I've even referred him to my mother. Okay. So that's, that's got to say yes. something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we loved working with your mom, by the way. She's amazing. <laughs> she Good point. Um, uh, and I, I think the other big thing is, is the working relationship between the realtor and the lender. You know yes. what I mean? It's, it's extremely important that they both know how they work so they can be proactive in difficult situations and really come together to, to fit the client's needs. And you see a lot of people out there that are just hodgepodge and pulling things together and then wondering why they're not seeing results. And that's one of the biggest things. It's, it's making sure you have a, a team that is just seamed together very tightly. Yeah, totally. I absolutely agree. And like Ryan, Matt and I have been around forever and ever and him longer. Um, so <laughs> we've seen a lot, we've done a lot, we've been through a lot, we've conquered a lot. But last topic, you guys, is um, let's talk about foreclosures because I'm seeing, so I'm in the business, so I know what's going on, but I'm seeing all sorts of talk everywhere, social media, even on the yeah. news, uh, the, this whole cloud of foreclosures that's coming that I don't know about you, but we heard that a few years back too, and that never happened. But anyways, is the foreclosures, are they going to happen, Ryan? What's your take on that? Um, great question. I'm getting that a lot too. A lot of uh, um, questions from you know potential buyers out there, um, maybe waiting for inventory to pick back up with with uh, like a wave of foreclosures that some of the media has been talking about. But yeah. you know, based off of um, you know a lot of the experts that I, I've been talking to or, or reading their publications, they just don't see that happening. It kind of like we were talking about before, back in 2006 through 10. The reasons why there were so many foreclosures back then is because nobody had equity in their homes at that time. People were buying homes with no money down. And, and then because of that, when rates adjusted um, or they maybe lost their job or couldn't afford their mortgage, there was no choice but to walk away and prices dropped because of that. And that's why the foreclosure you know, pandemic just kind of kept growing on top of each other because of that. This is different now because um, there is a lot more equity in the homes right now. Those property values have been going up so much over the past few years. You know, Since 2011, we've seen real steady increases. So um, that's one of the main reasons why, you know, we're not going to see that level of foreclosures again, is that uh, so much equity is in the, these homes. On top of that, um, you know, a lot of banks, what they're doing with these uh, forbearance agreements, you know, they're really working it to the client's favor to help them out during the situation. So they're not really requiring you to pay it all back, like right when, you know, you're out of the forbearance period, they could add it on to the back of the loan which really isn't impacting clients too much because the equity is already there. The only mm -hmm. thing that's going to happen is whenever they decide to sell that home, they might not get as much back because the loan amount increased a little bit, but uh, you know, it provided them with the support that they needed during a difficult time. So just because that level of equity is there and because banks are really willing to do what they can to work out agreements for you to make sure that you continue to, uh, to be able to live in your home and eventually make payments again, you know, uh, we just don't see that happening. And, 
and I was kind of reading and touching on things and it sounds like when they're reporting numbers, and once again, we're talking about the media, the media has learned that anything they can speak of that as a fear triggering word, they're going to say that over something that's the opposite. Um, you know, they're the very going to rarely say, you're amazing and you should celebrate. No, be fearful and stay in your basement. Um, so, it, it, but one of the things I was reading is like, uh, banks are, giving clients forbearance, but there's a large percentage of those clients that aren't even using the forbearance. They sign up for the program. Yes. They do it, but they're not actually missing any payments. So they kind of fall into that category and they're being reported as this number. But I've heard there's a huge percentage that aren't even doing it, or maybe only did one. We're seeing that a lot as well, where, where they have the ability to basically not make payments. There's a lot of people that signed up for it, you know, kind of as just in case they did need it, but they've continued to make their payments on time during that, that forbearance period. So we have seen that a lot too, especially with a lot of our clients that have decided to, to refinance. Um, you know, a lot of the times you have to be out of the forbearance and, and, and possibly caught up on a few payments before you can refinance, but a lot of them don't even need to do that because they have been making their payments during that period. So even though the statistics do show that uh, the number of people who have gone into forbearance, there's still a lot of them that are just still continuing to make those payments. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Which is good. And it's just, once again, it just shows how manipulative the media can be in these situations because this is data that they could easily deliver. They could easily deliver, you know, even a percentage of how many people that are going into forbearance that have over 20% equity in their home. That'd be a simple statistic mm -hmm. that they could literally give the public and say, you know what, we don't really need to worry about this because even these people that are, even if they can't make their payment, the forbearance ends, they're going to be able to comfortably sell their home, refire yes. their home, do a number of things before they encounter foreclosure. Um, and when you hear people, and, and not to talk smack about any of the people that are sitting there having fun talking about this speculative foreclosure wave, but it's, there's just, there's really not a, a lot of tangible evidence saying that, oh, this huge wave is coming like we saw in 2008. And I think a number of reasons are also from the banks being prepared. How many banks would really move forward with foreclosure? Not a lot. They've, they've yeah. danced this dance. It's not like 2006 when they're encountering something totally new and they're like, oh my God, what do we do? We just need to foreclose. No. If anything, the bank's saying, you know, we'll give you more, we'll tack more onto the end of this because we're only making interest off our interest, <laughs> if that right. makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just don't see foreclosure being this, this, this solution um, to this so-called problem. Totally agree. And, you know, just from my perspective, just being out there in the field and working with buyers and sellers or mainly sellers all day long um, <clears throat> in this case is they do, they have a ton of equity, Ryan. I am seeing... Yes hundred grand or better yeah. equity in a lot of our clients' situations. Yeah. And they haven't owned for a very long time either. It's been just <laughs> yes, a couple of yeah. years. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We've seen that as well. And, and you know, when, when people talk about foreclosures and, and you know, there are going to be those people that do need help. And, and even during the forbearance period, if things aren't getting better, you know, they're not just going to walk away. If they have that little level of equity, they're going to want to sell. Yeah. Um, so it won't be foreclosed. It'll just be, you know, more homes on the market, which I feel like obviously from those statistics, we, we, we need, <laughs> we need uh, yeah. some more inventory. <laughs> and the other side of this too, that we're, we, it's, it's blatantly obvious to us. The other big side of it is if, if all of a sudden something changes in their life and they can't afford their house, they can rent right now. Their mortgage payment is lower. Most likely if they've owned it in the last two or three years, than what rental market would give. So if they needed some sort of you know, something changed in their life and their 3,000 square foot house doesn't fit into their, their budget. 
they could easily say, you know, we need to do a little bit of a, a shift here and maybe rent and, and downsize and then rent ours and cash flow and let things, yes. you know, kind of balance out. And so there's just so many things that buyers can do to avoid foreclosure. And I just, I don't see this wave even coming across at all. Yeah. Honestly. There's definitely a lot that sellers can do um, to avoid it. And um, buyers don't let it scare you. I mean, because I've heard, I've had that conversation too. Well, we've heard there's going to be a bunch of foreclosures. So A, we're going to wait for that and capitalize on it. Or B, we're just so nervous we don't know what to do. Yeah. It's not going to happen. (laughs) You know, it's funny because we, back to the original question, you know, is this going to, the election's going to affect us. And it's funny because we sold houses through absolutely every presidential candidate we've ever had (laughs) or or every elected president we've ever had. So um, where it may fluctuate just a little bit, it could, right? In this case, it's probably not going to be a negative uh, thing, but the moral of the story is, is that real estate still continues. We still continue to buy and sell houses. We still need to live in them, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, once again, is fear-based. You look at all these ingredients and why markets are doing what they're doing and why COVID's even not, I'm not downplaying it, but lasting as long as it's lasting. It's because they're choosing to put hyper-focus on numbers that are ultimately fearful. They're not, you know, they're putting into new cases versus criticals and deaths. And, you know, and finally markets are seeing that and they're understanding that. And you can even see where they're releasing. We've just hit a hundred thousand new cases, but the markets did not even come close to responding to that news like they would have three months ago because they're seeing that that's just not correlating to deaths, to criticals and all that. So I think there's just going to be a shift on our focus on data and that fear is, is they can't, they can't put their hooks into it as much anymore. So stay positive, everyone. That's the message. Right? <laughs> that's, a, that's the bottom line here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, there is a lot of things, you know, like the media is to be fearful about, but, um, it, when, when we see that happening, we do see clients just decide to not do anything and just continue to rent. And hopefully, you know, our discussion here about where rates are at right now, where property values are continuing to be expected to go, that, you know, you don't wait too long because you could be priced out of the market in the future and rates might, might not be as good. So, you know, we, we always recommend, you know, buying sooner than, than waiting. So, so don't let the fear hold you back. <laughs> right. Right now is the known. I mean, in the foreseeable future, right, is the known. And, and somewhere out there, far enough out there is the unknown. And so I don't, you know, people are waiting for the unknown, basically. Well, and I think exactly Very what true. you said here, and we've kind of talked about before, and this is a real important point, is, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. None of us do. Um, but we've, all of us have collectively been in this industry for, I almost, it sounds like 60 years between the three of us. So <laughs> pretty much uh, um, we're dating so, ourselves here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, we're still all very young. Um, but it, you know, Kate was talking to me before, like historically they say the first year after a presidential election in the four years. So that is, is always the best year yes. for real estate, for economy yes. and all that. So when you start coupling known facts that we have that. We're looking at how the market is responding to this, we'll say, volatile elections. There, it looks like they're not really picking sides. Whatever happens, we're going to be pushing through this. Now, what also happens is kind of what you were saying, Ryan, is we see rates staying low where they're at right now. But what's really going to happen in the next 18 months? Yes. So if anything, there's just so many things that are pointing at just this is a good time because mm-hmm. in the next 18 months, you might see rates go up, which has now cost you a lot more money. 
um, and just a lot of other insecurities that are going to come around with that, you know? So I, I think it's just a really good time. I agree. Totally agree. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. As always, it was wonderful to have you. And if you. our audience would like to get in touch with you and because I know your door is always open, you're a wonderful yes. resource. I know you love answering questions and helping people out. And of course, yes, you know, with the mortgages and the refinances too. So if somebody were to want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Just call me directly. My office line is 480-635-3035. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, please do us a favor and whatever platform you like listening to your podcasts on, please, please share, like, download, subscribe to us, rate us, just give us a little bit of love. We want to make sure that you are hearing us out there and we want to bring the real news to the real people. So thank you guys so much. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye.